Well, hello, Northridge. How you doing? You good? You good? Good. My name is Adam Mashney, and I am the middle school director here at the Plymouth campus for Northridge. And first and foremost, I want to welcome those of you who are joining us online uh, from a cafe or your kitchen. Thanks for joining us. And of course, welcome to those in the room. Um, and almost happy New Year. This is the last service of 2012. Aren't you glad you're a part of it? The last service of 2012. Kind of cool. Like I said, I'm a part of the student team here, and I work with 6th grade through 8th grade. And when I tell people that, I get two looks, two reactions, if you will. One look is a look of of fear and um, utter uh, just, I don't know what to do with what you just told me, you know? Like, I don't know how to handle middle school students. The other look I get is one of, like, I get it. And that's from parents of middle school students, you know? And, but where, wherever you fall on the spectrum of those two things, I'm sure we can still be friends and we'll have a good time together today. We've titled the talk today, Memory Sticks. And it's a little play on words because obviously we know the USB memory stick. And, but we're going to talk about our memory today. And to start, I want to do a quick poll. And so, um, you know, if you're watching online, you could, you could participate as well. Raise your hand. I'm going to have you do something now. <laughs> Raise your hand if you would say to yourself, yeah, I have a really good memory. My memory rocks. I can remember things from the 60s and I was born in 72. That's how good my memory is. Good. Okay. Raise your hand if you would say, you know what? <laughs> my memory sucks. Yeah. In fact, a lot of you just forgot why your hand's up. That's how bad your memory is. Um, Well, the one thing we all have in common with memory is that we all have one. And I'm going to coin this phrase memory box or memory bank. We all have a memory box. And in the memory box is lots and lots of good memories, ones you want to remember. And then also it's filled with lots and lots of bad memories too, memories you want to quite honestly forget. Uh, For example, maybe you want to forget the fact that you dressed a certain way in a certain decade, you know, just the whole decade, not even a day or a year, the whole decade. You would like, yeah, I wouldn't mind forgetting that decade, actually. The hairstyle, uh, someone told me it looked good, but eh, it didn't look that good. Uh, I have a picture of myself from elementary school where I had a fanny pack. I don't care who you are, fanny packs were never cool. You should throw yours away. But that's, I mean, who thought that is, ew, no. Who thought that was okay? My mom, my mom thought that was okay. Don't you feel bad for me? Maybe it's not a decade of clothing or hairstyle. Perhaps, honestly, it's something that you said. Maybe uh, a, a curse word slipped out of your mouth in middle school. I don't know if that happened to you. That happened to me. I ended up with soap in my mouth, like Ralphie from A Christmas Story. That's, that was my experience in middle school. Maybe it wasn't in the past. Maybe two weeks ago at work, you had a thought. And all of a sudden, you said, I should not say that. But it trickled down all the way from your brain to your mouth, and you ended up saying that very thing, and your boss says, why don't you step into my office real quick? And you're like, dang it, I I just want to forget what I just said. Maybe for you, it's a relationship. Maybe in college or high school, you had a relationship, and you just think to yourself now, God, what was I thinking? 
Maybe, I, I don't know, maybe that's you, maybe it's just me, I'm not sure. But maybe you want to forget something um, that you didn't do. You knew the right thing to do and you didn't do it. The box is full of memories that you would like to forget, that I would like to forget. The box is also full of really good memories too, like a family vacation. I love family vacations, they're awesome. But maybe for you, you had the perfect family vacation. Your family went to Disney and good Lord, the kids were perfect. I know, it's far-fetched, just go with me. Before the vacation, they were nightmares. After the vacation, they were even more of a nightmare. But during the vacation, and you took pictures so you can bring them along um, later and say, look, look, proof that you were on good behavior one point in your life. Proof, look at that. Yeah, we, were, we liked each other. So maybe it's a family vacation. I don't know. Maybe it's sports. I pull out a football and some of you immediately go back to the pass that you threw that won the game or the pass that you caught that won the game. Uh, for me, it's a hockey thing and I played roller hockey in middle school. Yes, not ice, roller hockey. That's how cool I was. And I remember, I, I mean, every other minute of the two years that I played hockey, I just sucked out loud. But the one minute I, in a playoff game where it counted, I scored a goal. And so every time I see a hockey puck, I'm like, I need to remember that. I need to remember that memory of scoring a goal and like putting the one arm in the air and be like, that's right, that's me, I did that. Maybe for you, you uh, wanted to get healthy this past year and so you ran a race. Uh, For me, I ran a marathon, my first marathon this past year. It was a Chicago marathon with a lot of Northridge people. It's my bib number. And, but maybe for you, it was like, my goal is to run a 5K and I ran it or a 10K or maybe a half marathon or maybe you did run perhaps the Detroit marathon and you finished a full marathon. For you, that could have been different. I'm not sure what your goal was. Uh, a prom or a wedding day. I, uh, I stole this from my parents' house, but this is a picture and you'll see it on the screens of my mom's senior prom. Aw, look at that mustache though. That is a killer mustache. But maybe you, I mean, I took this right from their wall because it's hanging there and they want to remember a moment. They want to remember the senior prom. Man, it was a good memory. Maybe for you it was a wedding day. The point is, the box is full of of good memories. The box is full of bad memories. And um, what was interesting when I, you know, was preparing and doing all this stuff, I realized something. I realized that the memories we want to remember, so often we don't remember. And the memories we want to forget are actually the memories that we remember. And it's, it's an interesting dynamic. We forget what we want to remember, and we remember what we actually want to forget. And it starts with silly things, doesn't it? It starts with birthdays and anniversaries. Now, with Facebook, uh, it's virtually impossible to forget a birthday nowadays. It's, it's in your phone. It's in your email. But a lot of us still forget birthdays, to be honest. Uh, maybe it's an anniversary. You're like, uh, your wife calls you and says, what are we doing today, honey? Yay! And you're like, the Lions play at one. What are you doing today? I don't know. I mean, what? what? They play the Bears. It's a, it's a big game. Come on. And you forget, you're like, oh, no. And then if you do remember things, it's silly stuff. For example, I grew up with the original Nintendo. Y'all know what I'm talking about, the original. The one where you had to, like, pick up the game, blow the dust off it, put it back in. You with me? Okay. There was a game called Contra. 
Anyone remember this game? It was an amazing game. My favorite, I was on YouTube last night. I shouldn't admit this, but oh well. I was on YouTube last night, and I I was watching the intro of the game, and I remembered the song that it played. It was so just bad, but I remembered it. I was like, brought back memories. But anyway, there was a code to get unlimited lives. In Contra. Now, there's different versions of Contra and different ways to do it, but the version I had and the code I put in got me unlimited lives. And my guess is I could find somebody in church online. You could probably verbalize it as well, but I could find somebody that could tell me word for word from memory that code. Now, I'm not going to call anyone off the crowd, but you know the code. Up, down, up, down, left, right, left, right, A, B, A, B, select, start. That gets you unlimited lives in Contra. How cool is that? And then we remember silly, I mean, songs. We remember songs from way back. Um, we're going to do an interactive thing again. I hope you're ready for it. Um, if you're online, if you're in a cafe, I wouldn't recommend doing this. I'm going to sing, and I'm going to ask you to sing too, and it could be awkward for everybody involved. But for here, I would really encourage you, if you don't participate, it will be awkward. So I'm going to sing something, and I want you to just finish the phrase, okay? You all ready for this? Okay, here it goes. Whoa, we're halfway there. How about this one? How about this one? In West Philadelphia. On a playground where I spent most of my day. Yeah, I'm a, we're done with that one. How about, uh, how about, I could probably go on and on. How about, uh, I believe I can fly. Yeah. We remember the silliest things that, frankly, don't help us in life. Unless, you know, we're here, you're hearing a talk on memory and you sing in church. I'm not sure. But we remember the things that will not help us, and we forget the things that, honestly, would help us in life. And it goes, it goes beyond the surface. It goes beyond what we just laughed about, doesn't it? There are things in your memory box and in my memory box that define us, that we want to let go. We want to forget, but we can't. The memories of maybe a business deal gone bad. The memory of you, you entering the deal and you, you thought, man, this is a really good thing. And before you know it, bottom fell from underneath and you're left empty-handed. And you thought, man, what happened? That's a memory that you wish you could forget. Maybe for you, you're raising a family by yourself because of the memory, because of the D word, a divorce. And you thought to yourself, man, maybe this will go as good as a divorce could go. But it actually ended up going worse. And every day you wake up and that memory defines you. That memory paralyzes you. We have a spiritual memory box too. You remember things. We have a whole section. And in that is all the memories of your spiritual life. First time you went to church. Maybe the way you grew up the first time you had communion or your first baptism. First time you fell asleep in church. Some of you you remember that quite well actually. You woke up, and you're like, ah! You said a noise, and everyone looked at you. You remember the first time you prayed, and a miracle happened, potentially? You remember the first time you prayed, and nothing happened? And that started kind of a season of spiritual dryness, where you're like, God, where are you? Are you even there? You feel so distant from me right now. We remember things in our spiritual memory box. Some of you are in this room or watching online and you're not a Christian. You're searching and you're here. And the reason you're not a Christian is because of a memory. 
Perhaps you uh, interacted with a Christian and they left you hurt and um, full of pain because of what they did. And you're like, that, that doesn't seem right. What, why would I join something that acts like that? What, they were a Christian and yet they didn't act like Jesus. A bunch of hypocrites. I'm not going to join that club if that's what they do. And it's a memory that is holding you back. See, memories can really affect us. And then we throw in the mix uh, what God has to do with all of this. Because believe it or not, God has a memory box. We're not the only ones with a memory box. And in God's memory box, he remembers stuff and he forgets stuff. Now, I should say, because God's perfect, if he remembers it, it's intentional. And if he forgets it, it's also intentional. And so what he remembers, he remembers on purpose. And what he forgets, he forgets on purpose. But the problem is, God's memory box and our memory box, they don't line up. See, what we remember, oftentimes, is not what God remembers. And what we forget, oftentimes, is not what God forgets. It's the opposite. Let me say it like this. So often in our lives, we forget what God remembers, and we remember what God forgets. And that leads us down a road full of bad choices. That, that leads us down a road where our memories will paralyze us. It leads us down a road where we're going to make bad choices, which create more bad memories, which create more bad choices. And it's a cycle. And the fear of the memories, the fear of your past, if gone, if gone unchecked, will literally paralyze you from moving forward. It will paralyze you. Have you ever been in that, in that day where you have high hopes of, you know, moving forward in life, and yet there's this memory of a past failure that just kind of has their arms on your shoulder and holds you down and holds you back, and you cannot move forward because of a memory. Remembering the wrong things is, is debilitating. It paralyzes us. And if we're ever going to break free, we need to figure out a way to align God's memory box and our memory box. We need to figure out a way to say, okay, God, what do you remember and what do you forget? That's going to be what I remember. That's, what it, that's going to be what I forget. That's what we have to do. But it's so often a struggle for every single one of us. We all feel this, don't we? And we're not the first to feel this either. We're, um, we're definitely not the first. This is a problem of humanity, really. And the first time we see this is in the Old Testament. There's a group of people called the Israelites. And the Israelites um, were God's chosen people. God decided to to pick a group of people and say, I'm going to be your God and you're going to be my people and we're going to have a good time together. And they're like, awesome, let's do this thing. And so this began a journey. And if you read the Old Testament, it's a journey of the Israelites following God for a time and God coming through and doing some amazing things. You, you remember the Red Sea, don't you, if you've been in church for a while? Moses steps up to the Red Sea, throws down his staff, and the, the waters part, and they walk across on dry land. Wow, that's amazing. That the Red Sea happened. That's, that's incredible. God did amazing things. And yet we read not a few verses later, if not a few chapters later, that the Israelites turned away from God, made wrong choice after wrong choice after wrong choice, and you gotta, you got to ask the question, why would they do that? God does amazing things in their midst. And yet, time after time, they just say, nah, we don't need you anymore. Why would they do that? 
We have some insight in Nehemiah chapter 9, verses 16 through 18. This is what Nehemiah says about why the Israelites kept doing what they kept doing. Check it out. It says, but they, the Israelites, our ancestors, became arrogant and stiff-necked and did not obey your commands. They refused to listen, and what did they do? Say it aloud. Say the underpart, uh, the underlined part. They failed to remember the miracles you performed among them. Their memory box didn't line up with God's memory box. They remembered the wrong thing. Now, before we get on our high horse and start calling them idiots and losers, we should remember that we do the same thing. That the moments we want to remember, we often forget. And the moments we want to forget, we often remember. And it paralyzes us. We can't move forward because of this. Our main idea for the weekend is simple. And if you're taking notes, I encourage you to write it down. It says this, remembering the right thing is the key to making the right choice. That if you want to move forward in life in 2013, remembering the right thing is the key to making the right choice. When I was in college, I, um, I was an intern at a church. And there was uh, Sunday morning responsibilities that I had. Imagine that at a church Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. So I was busy Saturday night doing all sorts of things, and I probably sh- was doing some things I shouldn't have been doing, and I knew I shouldn't have been doing them. And so I figured, hey, this one Saturday night, it was really late, and I wanted the easy way out. So I just called my boss, uh, and I was like, hey, I'm not going to be in tomorrow. Uh, sorry, see ya, kind of thing. And I, I hung up, and I was like, I'm good. So I didn't set my alarm. I slept through the Sunday morning, didn't show up. I didn't hear from him, my boss. So I was like, cool, I'm all set. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm good. He's like, oh, okay, whatever, Adam. Well, he pulls me aside and says, hey, you picked the worst Sunday morning to take off. We needed you. You left a lot of people high and dry. And honestly, it, it was a moment I wanted to forget. But the reason that caused the moment was I forgot the responsibilities I had on Sunday morning. When someone perhaps does something wrong to me, I have, a, I have a choice. I could either remember the offense and plan my revenge, or I could remember that I've been forgiven and I could offer forgiveness. See, remembering the right thing is the key to making the right choice. And we need to be selective in the things we remember. And we need to be selective in the things we forget. That's how God operates. That's how he wants us to operate. I want to give you three truths that if you remember these three things, your 2013 will be um, immensely better than 2012. If you remember these three truths. So if you're taking notes, write this down. The first one. Remember what God has done in your life. Remember what God has done in your life. I have a journal up here. It's orange because, well, I love orange. It's a reddish orange. It's orange. This is a new one, actually. I got this for Christmas. But in my old journal, I have a few pages that I dedicated to looking back to 2012, saying, God, where have you shown up in my life? Where have you shown yourself in in different ways? Small ways, big ways. Where have you shown up? And what I found is there is value in taking time 10, 15, 30 minutes, and looking back. And looking back for the purpose of saying, God, where have you shown up in my life? What have you done in my life? Some key questions to ask yourself 
when you remember what God has done in your life is this. What has God done in the past 12 months? And that can include anything from finances, when he provided in different ways. That could include relationships, when he provided in different ways, or withheld someone and you thought, man, I really wanted that. But later you found out it wouldn't have been good. You're in church right now. What brought you to this point? What brought you to the point where you showed up this morning? How has God changed you in the past 12 months? These are good questions to consider. Maybe you're here and you're not a believer in Jesus. You wouldn't say that about yourself. You'd say that, no, it's not true of me. You, you would say, Adam, I look back in the past 12 months and God has been nowhere in the, my past 12 months because honestly, uh, I don't see him at all. And I would respectfully say, really? You're here. I would ask the question, what has God been doing in your circumstances to bring you to this point where you're in a church and you're searching and you're asking questions? Take an honest look. What has God done in your past? What has God done in your life? Now, I should note that if you look back, memories are going to pop up where uh, shame and guilt and condemnation are going to want to just flood you. And our spiritual enemy, Satan, is going to love it because he's going to heap shame. He's going to heap guilt. He's going to heap condemnation on you. And when you look back, that's a potential danger. But if you feel shame, if you feel condemnation, you've got to know that's not from God. See, God would have you look back so that it could propel you forward. Satan would have you look back to keep you back. You catch that? Some of you need to write that down. God would have you look back to propel you forward. Satan would have you look back to keep you back. That's the big difference. Let's look at some scripture. Ephesians 2, verse 12. It says this. Remember, there's our word, remember, that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the problem or the promise. What does that mean? That, it means that they were, that they were living aside from God. They didn't, they didn't even know God existed. If they did know God existed, they didn't live according to what he wanted them to live by. It goes on. They were without hope and they were without God. There's value in looking back and saying, God, look Look at what you've done in my life. Look at all the things you've brought me through. If you're a believer here, look back and say, God, what have you saved me from? What are the things that I could have gotten into that I didn't? There's value in looking back. Deuteronomy 15, 15. This is talking about our group, the Israelites. It says this. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and the Lord your God redeemed you. That is why I give you this command today. God thinks it's important to know where you came from. There's, uh, in, in various counseling circles and in support groups, there's this saying that if you want to move forward, you have to look back and look at where you came from. That in order to move forward, you have to say, that I, I'm confident that God was with me in my past, and I'm confident that he's going to be with me in my future. We need to remember what God's done in our lives. It's key to moving forward. It's key to having a great, a great 2013. Number two, not only do we need to remember what God's done in our life, we need to remember God has a plan for our life. We need to remember God has a plan for 
our lives. Jeremiah 29, 11 says this. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm. Plans to give you hope and a future. Now, we hear that verse, and that's, that's fluffy. That's nice. So some of you could memorize that, and you have it on your wall, and you, you earmarked it in your Bible. But honestly, what's interesting to me about that verse is the context surrounding that verse. Because if you read it, you would find out that God was telling them, hey, you're going to be going into 70 years of exile, of pain, of hardship, of trials. But don't worry. I have a plan for your life. How relevant to read that story nowadays and just say, hey, your life might be full of troubles. Your life might be full of heartache. Your life might be full of trials. But we serve a God that has a perfect plan for you. He loves you enough to have a plan for you. Now you might say, Adam, yeah, I I might have believed that five years ago. But things have happened that if I got up here and I told you my story, you'd say, okay, you're the exception. You're the exception. God doesn't have a plan for you. Obviously, you're an exception. But I would tell you that even though you haven't felt God or seen God in the past five years, that doesn't mean God hasn't been working behind the scenes on your behalf. God is a God who loves you, and he has a perfect plan for you. Philippians 1.6 gives us so much encouragement in light of that. It says this, And I am certain, this is Paul talking to the church in Philippi, I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Isn't that so encouraging to know that not only did God start a work in you, not only did he love you enough to say, hey, you, I have a plan for you, but he's going to finish it. He's going to finish it. It should give you some encouragement. Wherever you are in life, whether you're a college student and you have to drop out, not because you want to, but because finances aren't there, and you say, okay, plan? What plan? Or maybe, maybe you're a high school student, and you just, all you want to do is be accepted and feel like you belong. And yet you get none of that. And you're like, plan? Okay, how about I create my own plan because I think I could do a better job. Or whether you're a single mom or a single dad or a CEO, wherever you're at in life, this applies to you. God's plan for your life is perfect. We need to remember that he has one for you. So not only do we need to remember what God's done in your life, we need to look back. Not only do we remember that God has a plan for your life, we need to remember one more truth. If you're taking notes, write this down. Remember God's mercy never ends. We need to remember that God's mercy never, ever ends. Now, mercy is simply not getting what we deserve. We deserve something, whatever it is, and we're not getting it. And God's mercy toward us never, ever ends. Check out Lamentations 3, 22 to 23. It says this, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. So many of us walk around with memories from our memory box that we wish we could forget, but they're latched to us. And we live every day. We wake up every day and it's almost like we wear it like a badge of honor. We say, yep, these are my memories good or bad, I'm taking them with me. 
And God says, no, you, you need to be selective in the things that you remember. Because what I remember is my mercy never, ever ends. And you can wake up every single day and say, my slate is clean. Let me ask you a question. When's the last time you felt completely forgiven? When's the last time you felt completely forgiven? Where you thought to yourself, everything I've done wrong, wiped away. The shame, gone. Guilt, gone. When's the last time that's defined your reality? With Jesus, that's possible. If you're a believer in the room and you believe in Jesus, you would claim that for yourself. That's yours. It's available to you. That should be so encouraging, and yet so often we, we settle for our memories that hold us down, the failures, the, the past that we can't seem to jump over because it's on top of us. We settle for that, and we think, that, well, okay, it's, my life's not terrible. Yeah, but Jesus wants so much more for you. John 10.10 10 is clear. Jesus came to give you life to the full, life abundantly, and yet so many times we settle. If you're not a believer in the room, if you're not um, a Christian, you would say you haven't stepped across the line of faith, I would encourage you, what better way to start a new year than to latch yourself onto the God who loves you so much that he created an entire rescue plan to get rid of your sin. What better way to start a new year than to, jo- to join with Jesus? And because that's so important, I have an application point that I want to give you, but I do want to pause and allow some time for you to just think and make a decision And so if you could, bow your heads and close your eyes. If you're a believer, start thanking God for all these promises. Start thanking God for the things that he's done in your life. But if you would say that you're not a believer in Jesus, that you haven't stepped across the line of faith, why not do it today? If that's you and you're ready to say, yeah, I I want my sin wiped away. I want a clean slate. And you're ready to do that then just silently pray with me. Just say, God, I believe that Jesus came to this earth. I believe he died on a cross and I believe he rose again to life. And by doing all of that, he proved once and for all that my sin could be taken away, that I could have a new, fresh start on life, that my slate can be wiped clean and I could live in the freedom of being forgiven. I put my faith in Jesus. I put my trust in Jesus. I want to live his way, not mine. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you just prayed with me, whether it was online or uh, in the room, I can't encourage you enough to let us know. And you let us know by simply filling out this connection card. It's a perforated card that you fill out. You give us your information. And then you check this box that says, "Uh, Today I prayed to receive Jesus for the first time. Let us know. You began a relationship with God, and we want to help you. If you're watching online, simply click the What's Next button, and we'll send you the same information. We want to help you. We don't want to stalk you. I would also encourage you to check out Starting Point. Starting Point is a ministry for those restarting their faith, or for those starting their faith for the first time. Check out our website. Or if you're here, you can go to the lobby, the Starting Point small group area, and they would love to talk to you about it. And so I would encourage you to do that. Before we leave, our application point is simple. And it's almost too simple. You might be tempted not to write it down. I would encourage you, write it down. You may forget it. 
If you're taking notes, write this down. Focus on the right things. In order for us to remember the right things, to make the right choices, we need to focus on the right things. Philippians 4.8, it gives us a good list to start. It says this, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, and pure, and lovely, and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. You want to be selective in the things you remember? That's a good list to get going. That's a good list to focus on. Plaster that on your mirror or on your dresser, wherever you look. It's a good list. Be selective in what you remember because God is. And be selective in what you forget because God is. Second Peter 1, verses 12 and 13, it says this. Peter is encouraging us. He says, so I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. And so, yeah, cool. You come to church on a regular basis. Yay. You still need to be reminded. You still need to have your mind refreshed. He goes on, verse 13. I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body. Peter knew the value of saying, hey, look, hey, look. I need you to know this. I need you to be reminded of this. Peter knew that our natural inclination is to remember the things that God forgets and forget the things that God remembers. We need to be selective. I have a memory stick, and I love memory sticks. They were created for good purposes, right? You know, it's transfer files from one thing to the other. It's a good thing. Anyone want this? Let's go over here. I went that way last service. Let's go over here. Anyone want this? Oh, yeah, you're right there. Awesome. Thanks, dude. Hope you caught it. (laughs) Memory sticks are an interesting thing because you have the choice. Now, I hope I don't insult your intelligence, but you have the choice to put whatever you want on it. And did you also know you have the choice to take whatever you want off of it? And that's what we need to do with our memory boxes. We need to sift through and we need to say, okay, you don't belong. God forgot you already. Why am I still remembering you? You need to go. There's a, a popular TV show called Storage Wars. Anyone have heard of Storage Wars? <laughs> okay. The whole premise is uh, a bunch of people bid on an um, abandoned storage unit. And the person that wins, or the group of people that win, they get to go and they rummage through all the stuff that's in that storage unit. And the good stuff they keep, because, you know, they make money off it. The bad stuff, the stuff that won't help them in life, the stuff that's junk, they throw away. See where I'm going with this illustration? We need to do that with our memory box. We need to, in middle school, I teach our middle schoolers that we need to have brain ninjas. Okay? So think of brain ninjas going through your mind, finding the memories that do not belong, because frankly, God has already forgotten your past. If you're in Jesus, your sins are forgiven, and yet so often we remember them. We need to have those brain ninjas. We need to go all storage wars on our brain, and we need to get rid of the things that God's already forgotten. If we do that, our 2013 is going to be incredible. Can you imagine? Can you just imagine real quick what it would be like for you if you woke up every morning and you said, my slate is clean. Every wrong thing I've done is forgiven. Imagine the freedom that you would live that day. The freedom that would come from that. Can you imagine if all the worries you have for your family, that son, that daughter, that's just not going the way you want them to go, all the worries you have for your business. Will we meet 
the financial goal we're trying to meet? What, will we do this? Will we do that? Can you imagine if you said, God, your plan is perfect. I'm trusting you. The freedom from worry that you would experience. Man, can you imagine the confidence you would gain if you took time and you looked back and said, God, you've been faithful all these times in my past. I'm going to trust you to be faithful in my future. I'm going to trust you that you have a plan for me. You would walk around with so much confidence, people would be like, what happened to you? And you would just simply tell them, I let the brain ninjas loose on my mind and they got rid of stuff that doesn't need to be there. That's silly, but I hope you remember that. That's what we need to do to launch into this new year. If you want a a brilliant 2013, it's gonna take doing some work and remembering the things God remembers and forgetting the things God forgets. My sincere prayer is that you will take this and that you will hold on to it, that you will launch into your future remembering the things God remembers because that's the only way to live the full life Jesus came to give you. My prayer is you'll experience it. I hope you have an incredible new year and we'll see you next time.